It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, November 6, 2014. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is out of town preaching in Indiana tonight. And in his place, uh, we have Clay Gentry from Columbia who is here tonight, Clay? Uh, welcome to the program. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you, it. You were kind enough to uh, to volunteer your services uh, about a month <laughs> ago. I guess you said you you had a topic you'd like to discuss. I said, well, we might have an opportunity to take well, you up on that. Offer. Well, you were kind enough to fill in for me. Okay, when so, I was uh, absent from Lanton. So okay, well, I'm I, just trying to return the favor. Oh, is that it? Well, Tell okay. you that I appreciate what, you. What, whatever it is, I'm, well, I'm glad <laughs> that you're here tonight and looking forward to the discussion. We'd like to hear from you as well, 877-381-4567. You can volunteer to help out with the program tonight by calling that number. It's toll-free, 877-381-4567. You can also email your questions or your comments to questions at collegeview.com, and you can join in the chat room with other listeners to the bottom of your video feed if you're watching us live on the program tonight. We look forward to hearing from you. Clay, you suggested uh, a, a, a study of fasting, which, well, it's uh, it's not a commonly discussed subject, and so it's going to be a good discussion tonight, I think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You were prompted, uh, you said, to, to investigate the subject further uh, as a result of just sort of a passing comment in a Bible class. Yeah, I, had, I, I, I don't even remember now what I was teaching about, but I was going along, talking, 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 and I think I mentioned fasting. I might even have said a word or two about fasting. And um, I remember one of the sisters raised her hand. She said, we don't know nothing about fasting. (laughs) She goes, I don't remember ever hearing anything about fasting. Do some lessons on fasting, Mm -hmm. please. And uh, and so uh, we're working through the Gospel of Luke right now. As you you filled in for me, you Mm -hmm. taught some of that. And it'll probably be six months or so before we're done with that. And then I hope to to tackle fasting uh, over the course of a few weeks. And so kind of coming tonight is kind of getting some of this stuff down in writing so I can start putting that material and together. together. All right. Uh, we have uh, we've been on the air, as you know, uh, Clay, for um, we're going on 10 years now. And um, it's been 2006 since we studied this last. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, it's not a, it's not an often discussed topic. And so we'll look forward to talking with our listeners tonight about uh, about that. Clay, you put some questions together uh, uh for our discussion, uh, let me read those quickly. For several millennial millennia, uh, fasting has been part of the believer's spiritual life, as evidenced by multiple references throughout the Old and New Testaments. Nevertheless, fasting is not prevalent among Christians today. That's obvious. Uh, lack of uh, discussion of the topic. Why do you think that is? Number two, even though fasting is not commanded of the Christian, what do you learn from such passages as Matthew six sixteen, Mark two twenty, First Corinthians seven five about the expectation of Christians fasting? Number three, thinking through the mechanics of fasting, what is fasting, why fast, when should we fast, and how does one fast? Number four, what are some spiritual dangers associated with fasting? That's a little bit ironic, but there could be some spiritual dangers associated with this act. Mm-hmm. And number five, is uh, fa- if fasting is a part of your spiritual life, please share a tip you've learned along the way that will help others incorporate this wonderful act of righteousness into their own lives. And so you submitted those earlier today. And uh, if you have not uh, commented on those, uh, you can do so. The easiest way to do that would just be to send in your comments in the chat room. What about it in the chat room? What about fasting? Why is it not a part of Christians' lives today? Monty is behind the the controls tonight helping us out. Monty, thank you for being here. Good evening, Jacob. Thank you for having me. I look forward to hearing from you on this subject as well, Monty. I think you would agree. We were talking before the program that fasting is not, I think you said you've never heard a sermon on the subject. Uh, I've heard it discussed a little bit, and it, at one time here at College View, we had a fast for something, I think probably when some of us was going to split off and start the new work in Spring Hill. Okay. We fasted about that maybe on a Friday or something, I think, but that's really about the only time that I remember 
it ever being significantly suggested or done. How, how many years ago has that been? It's been about 10 or more probably. Or I, don't, I don't think it's been that long, six or so anyway. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, so there, so as you, as you, sounds like it went along with the program. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I believe it was longer than six years, but yeah, but I don't remember. It's time flies, especially when you're as old as me but, and senile. Okay. But I think what the fact that we can't remember when that was yeah. probably shows that it's just, okay. it's just not a part of our Christian life. All right. Let and it, why we need to study it. Let's know in the chat room. Why do you think uh, fasting is not a part of a Christian's life today? You mentioned, uh, uh, Clay, that it has been mentioned numerous times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Why do you think uh, that it's not a part of our, our lives today? Well, if, if we're kind of to look at the uh, the, the modern American life, uh, we're we're in love with food. That's true. We love food. Mm-hmm. Uh, just look at our girth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast food places on every corner, unlimited and un just to cease large quantities of of calories that we can consume every day. And and the very idea of us going without food, purposefully going without food, I, I think really just boggles the mind. Well, or not purposely going without food. I yeah. mean, that, that, not many years ago, it wouldn't have been very uncommon at all for you to miss some meals just because you didn't have food. Sure. There, there, there is an interesting uh, uh, paper and study that was once done. There was a professor uh, who was uh, teaching in seminary, and he was teaching his American students about the parable of the prodigal son. And he asked them one question. He said, what was the one thing that brought the, par- the prodigal back? He had 100 students. Only one person mentioned the famine. Mm. He was in St. Petersburg, Russia, decided to conduct the same survey, asked 100 students there the same question, what, what drove the prodigal back? And if I remember correctly, 98 out of 100 students there mentioned the famine. Oh, wow. And, and he reasoned that famine was a part of the fabric of the Russian society, mm-hmm. but it's never been a part of the American conscience. Mm-hmm. And, and so in that regard, it's eating all the time. It's just part of what we do. Right. And to voluntarily go without it. Uh, just really kind of baffles us and boggles the mind. All right, so that may be one. Uh, when did fasting depart from Christian practice, Mike in Ohio asked, and uh, that, uh, I don't know the history on that, uh, Clay. Any done any research yet to know um, when that may have been? It, it, we can – can I speak in broad, general, Christendom sure. terms? Sure. Uh, it has never really left the Catholic Faith, if I can say it that way. Okay. Uh, Lent, we're probably right. all familiar with that. Uh, certain type of fasting involved in that. Okay. Uh, fasting twice a week was part of uh, the original methods of the Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even near the end of Charles Wesley's life, uh, he was lamenting the fact that Methodists no longer would fast. Mm. And, um, and and so it's kind of got that history. Uh, involved if you look at something broad. Okay. Uh, speaking of the brethren that, that we would be more familiar with, I, I honestly cannot speak to that because uh, there's just so little out there uh, on the topic at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think another reason that, uh, if I could say it's fallen out of favor, or a reason that pre- fasting isn't prevalent among Christians today is we are people who um, shun extremism. Mm-hmm. And fasting seems to be on the fringes. It seems to be rather extreme. Okay. Um, and so we're we're people who really are maybe much more conservative in our thinking. And uh, even though this is a biblical practice and it was the norm among believers, as we said for millennia, it's extreme to us. And so, I, at least in my my mind, we kind of pull back from that. All right. And uh, well, one one obvious uh, reason why maybe just because it's not commanded and so yeah you know and uh, you know we're not necessarily going the extra mile sometime in our service to god and that may be one reason why people don't do it yeah some i, I think that could also uh, have some impact on it and so, so that's going to be an important uh thing to remember as we discuss tonight is that it isn't a command but uh, we certainly do see examples and uh reasons why one would fast today. Anthony uh, in Columbia has sent in his response to why don't we think it's a part of Christian's life today. He says, I think somehow it has just been lost in Western culture. Other Eastern, Middle Eastern cultures and religions uh, still practice fasting, 
But in the West, it's just not part of our culture. I don't know at what point it was lost or why, but the reason people don't fast right now is that it seems weird and foreign. We love to eat. We don't like the physical sensations that go along with it, etc. We're not used to the idea of being hungry. Other cultures even today are more comfortable with having an empty stomach, but Americans are always eating. I'm sure in other parts of the world, Christ, other parts of the world, Christians may do more fasting than American Christians. You know, I I, I put a word out on Facebook uh, about a month ago, just asking some of the brethren that I know who have been over into foreign countries, do do Christians there fast? And uh, remarkably, they said yes. I, I think Anthony's right. I like what he said in the in the chat room in quotations. There, it's a little fruity. Fruity. <laughs> Well, maybe not fruity if you're not yeah. eating. But hey, uh, I like what Ramona said, uh, that many people think it's just part of the Old Testament. Yeah. And, in fact, uh, Ramona in Texas. Thank yeah, you, Ramona, for that comment. That is where we find most of the passages and the most examples about fasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are still plenty in the New Testament where we see believers there uh, fasting as well. So All right. We'll, we'll get into those. Thank you for those comments. And Mike in the chat room, uh, he echoes what Chris in the U.K. has said. Mike says, we don't fast because we've not been taught to fast and don't understand the benefits. Uh, that very much uh, harmonizes what, with what Chris in the U.K. said. Uh, we don't fast from lack of teaching. I feel that it is le- a legalistic thing in a grace-based faith. A sense, is, uh, a sense it is what other religions do. They feel... They can't, or it will be unhealthy to do so, or they're too used to the excess of their Western culture. So Chris and Mike both talk about the lack of teaching on this subject. Chris says they feel it's a legalistic thing based in a grace in a grace based faith. Uh, you know, I don't. Again, I I struggle with that term legalism. We don't uh, need to talk about it right now, uh, uh, Clay. But you, but uh, but uh, he he says that, that may be one reason why. Um, and he senses is it something that other religions do, and so maybe just they've got a monopoly on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. As you mentioned, we mentioned we want to reiterate: not a command. You can't find a command to fast in the New Testament under the dispensation we live in today. That's correct. And, and I, I just want people to know I'm not scrolling through Facebook here. Okay. <laughs> I am looking at the chat room. I, I want your, people to know. We've that got I, computer I, issues tonight, and that is your sole window to the chat room. But uh, it's working there for you, uh, so uh, keep it up. Um, so it's not commanded, but we're going to find, and we'll take a break, but when we get back, we're going to find lots of uh, references to fasting in the Old Testament. But it didn't end at the cross. We'll see uh, references to it in the New Testament yes. as well, Christians in the first century that were fasting. And so we want to look at that uh, tonight. Uh, We'll take a break and get your thoughts. Uh, Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Anthony Petrochko, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We want to remind you that our website, www.collegeview.com or www.thevirtualbiblestudy.com, has lots of valuable study tools available for your use. First, you can find archives of all our past programs there. We've covered a wide variety of topics, including doctrinal issues, moral and ethical questions, and many things related to living daily as a Christian. And while we don't have a search engine option on our website, remember that you can hit Control-F and type in a keyword. You'll then see that keyword highlighted on the page. For instance, if you hit Control-F and typed in the word worship, you'd find these past programs that we've conducted. Does it matter how we worship? What about contemporary worship and hand clapping? Our worship, pleasing to God or pleasing to man, and instrumental music in worship. That's just an example, but you get the idea as to how the web page can be used to help in your study of various subjects. Also remember that we have copies of our church bulletin on the website, and these bulletins include articles on hundreds of topics. You'll also find some recorded sermons, some Bible tracts, as well as information about the College View Church. So be sure to check out the valuable resources on our website. Again, the address is collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And thanks again for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Be sure to tell others. My name is Alex Dvorak, reminding you to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. See, I told you we'd be back. The Virtual Bible Study continues. And we're glad that you're with us as we do continue on the subject of fasting with Clay Gentry. Uh, as we look at the, at the Bible, we see numerous references to fasting in the Old and, surprisingly, in the New Testament 
And the second question you posed, uh, Clay, was even though fasting is not commanded of the Christian, what do you learn from such passages as Matthew 6.16, Mark 2.20, 1 Corinthians 7.5, and the uh, and the expectations of uh, Christians fasting today? Uh, first off, we see references to it in the Old Testament, uh, Clay, and uh, one specific reference where Old Testament uh, Jews were instructed to fast. Yeah, on the Day of Atonement, uh, you can read about this in Leviticus chapter 23, uh, beginning about verse 27. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you've got a calendar at your house, uh, it won't say the Day of Atonement. It'll say Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this year it was on October the 4th. Okay. Uh, that was the only day that Jews were commanded to fast. Okay. And uh, there, um, most of the translations will say uh, fast or they'll say something like afflict your soul. Yes, uh, the New, Ta- New King James says afflict your soul. Yeah, which is just terminology that's synonymous with mm-hmm. uh, fasting. Okay. And But we don't have anything similar to that in the New Testament. And, and yet we, we got all these passages, and I put three of them in, uh, in the question. Uh, Matthew 6, Mark 2, and 1 Corinthians 7. Okay. Um, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is there on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, as he goes into uh, chapter, or as we would go into chapter 6, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, mm-hmm. for they will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And then he goes to kind of unpack that with three examples. The mm-hmm. first is giving to the needy. Mm-hmm. The second is prayer. And the third is fasting. Mm-hmm. And, and he begins that section, when you fast. It's a given. It's, it's a, it, it, I like how Ramona said it. It's just natural. Yeah. The, the wording there that Jesus uses is, I, I, I kind of expect you all going to do this. So when you do, and then he kind of unpacks a few things that we'll, we can uh, kind of look at a little bit later. Uh, in Mark chapter 2, uh, the disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees have come, are, are, are fasting. And some unnamed people have come to Jesus asking why John's disciples and disciples of the Pharisees fast. But Jesus' disciples didn't. Mm-hmm. And so he says, can the wedding guests fast when the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Mm-hmm. In that day, yeah. again, there just kind of seems a, a natural expectation that uh, Christians will fast. It's yeah. just going to be a part of who we are. And Mike in Ohio references Luke five verse thirty four, which I believe is a parallel to that, yes. where they, they're asked the same the, the, that question, and and again, Jesus says they will after the bridegroom's taken away. Right, and again, there's no commandment, mm-hmm. but the language is just so natural. Yeah, it's almost an expectation that oh well, y'all going to do this. And then in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul uh, is giving some um, some instructions there about the marriage relationship. Um, and um, he even mentions it there. And what, what strikes me uh, about that, uh, you get to verse 5, uh, don't deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to fasting and prayer, but then come again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. It, it's just so natural. And it's just so out of so ordinary, right? And uh, and so while we don't have the command, as you see the examples in the New Testament, they're they're just so common. You could throw in Acts chapter nine uh, when Paul uh, has his Damascus Road experience and he's there fasting for three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cornelius in Acts chapter ten, let's see, it's verse thirty. Yeah, uh, he's fasting. It seems right. to just be a natural part of his life. Uh, first uh, Acts chapter thirteen. And uh, which we'll look at a little later in Acts chapter 14, when uh, Paul and Barnabas are commissioning uh, men to be elders, it's they're doing they're doing it with prayer and fasting. Yeah, it's just so natural and so normal. Never do we see a discourse on you know, particulars. It's just sort of a given, as we've said before. Right. right. Uh, and Ramona, as you referenced, Ramona in Texas says that it should be part of our natural walk with the Lord, just as prayer and giving to the needy. So something interesting for us to think of. And I and I dare say that many of us have not ever viewed it that way without you know stopping to pause on these references to it that we've been reading over mm-hmm. for years. But to stop and just sort of take the big picture in. Well, and let me suggest this. As people are not just studying this topic, but, but reading the scriptures in general, one of the best things you can do is you can kind of take the cultural blinders off. 
oftentimes we approach the scripture or a passage with our own cultural expectations. And, um, you know, that could keep us from seeing passages like this about fasting. It could keep us seeing a, a lot of different things. And so the challenge is for us to, to read it, asking God and prayerfully asking him to, to, to enlighten us, to help us internalize the word and, and kind of be the people that, that he expects us to be. And, um, and, and fasting is just one of those examples of, of where um, where perhaps the cultural blinders keep us from seeing what's really there. All right. Uh, Monty, you've been listening over there to, uh, tonight. Uh, any comments so far on what uh, we've discussed? Well, it's obvious that it is a Bible topic, and it's also obvious that we don't get a lot of teaching or information normally discussing this topic. So it's a good thing for us to study and, and like Clay said, kind of take our blinders off and not worry about the way we would normally look at it, and let's look at it and see for, for what the Bible says about it. Because that's what the way we need to approach any subject. What I think or what you think really isn't terribly important, only to the extent that it agrees with God's ways of thinking. Sure. So we need to find out what God says about it and then do it. And we don't need to be guilty of trying to defend our current practices uh, just because something may, we may not be, you know, maybe we see areas for growth. We don't need to try and justify where we are. Our current practices may be wrong. Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. All right, Clay, anything else on that? Uh, uh, let's see here. What we got, Chris in the U.K. He says, I see it as not if you fast, but when you fast. Well, that's what Jesus uh, said mm-hmm. there. You referenced in Matthew 6. And he says, so there seems to be the implication that it is an accepted and expected action. Although fast in 1 Corinthians 7 is the... In, in the authorized version. In, oh, in the authorized version and, and the message. It is not in others but is devote or likewise, which is the subjunctive, uh, if, if you say so, Chris. And in other words, uh, a simple yet defined action probably in the future, which is uh, a con- is conditional on another action and is this fast, not uh, anyhow. So uh, He's smarter than I am on yeah. a few of those things. But yeah. let me speak yeah. to one thing that he says there. Uh, he says, though fast in First Corinthians seven is in the authorized, or as we would say in in, the, in America, the King James. Yeah. Um, it's not in others' translations, and and that's right. In fact, I'm using the English Standard here, but I have written fasting in. Okay. Uh, because uh, so many of my folks use the King James and the New King James, uh, I, I've got to kind of be aware of that. Mm-hmm. If if you get into researching and studying the topic of fasting, mm-hmm. if you do a word search in a Bible program or something of that nature, <clears throat> depending on your Bible translation, whether you're using uh, the Textus Receptics of uh, the King James, New King James, or you're using the critical text of the English Standard, New American Standard, uh, there's going to be some differences when it comes to some of these passages that talk about fasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, uh, the English Standard doesn't have Cornelius fasting mm-hmm. in Acts chapter 10, but the King James does. And th- perhaps that, that's another topic for a whole other show, but I throw that out there because he brings it up, and I want people to be aware of that, uh, depending on your Bible translation that you use. You're going to have a few differences. Okay. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567. <clears throat> Questions at collegeview.com. Is it, a, is it a textual difference rather than just a, a translation difference of the word or in these in these? No, it, it would be te- it's textual. It's textual. Yeah, okay, it's textual. All right. Let us know your thoughts in the chat room as well. We'll look forward to hearing from you. You asked the question uh, next. Uh, some of the mechanics of fasting, and uh, well, the most obvious one is what is fasting? What, what do you mean there when you say the word fast? Well. Um, to fast uh, from a biblical meaning and biblical perspective, and I'll give a broad definition first, it's to abstain from food for a set period of time. Okay. Uh, when, when we read fasting, that's the first thing we need to kind of get in our minds. Now, we can modify that just a little bit. Uh, sometimes we read about fasting that involved abstaining not just from food, but from drink also. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I think um, Esther, the example that you find in Esther, in Esther chapter 4 and verse 16 is one of those examples where she asked Mordecai, look, go tell the Jews uh, in uh, Susha, uh, fast for me and for three days. And it says there they, they fasted and did not drink for three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes when you uh, read just fasting, that's generally interpreted as just being abstaining from food but not from drink. Mm-hmm. 
And there's a third uh, kind of uh, fast uh, that we see, and it's the only time this comes up, and it's in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 3. And uh, it seems there that Daniel is not doing a total fast, not, no, no food and, and no drink. It seems that there he is fasting from just certain things. Uh, it says, uh, or Daniel speaking, I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for three full weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so he's not eating good food. Uh, maybe he's just eating bland food. Maybe he's just eating bitter food. Mm. He's not drinking something that is satisfying to the palate, uh, such as wine. He is probably just water, mm. uh, something very plain. Uh, and so fasting then is a big picture. It's abstaining from food. Sometimes it's abstaining from good food. Sometimes it's abstaining from food and all drinks, sometimes just food. But we're still allowing ourselves to to drink something. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, though, you hear people talk about uh, uh, they make a post on Facebook, says, hey, I'm not going to be on Facebook for a week. I'm going to do a Facebook fast. That's abstaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, that's not uh, that's not a biblical fast. Not necessarily a bad idea. Not, not a bad idea. Uh, but uh, but it doesn't meet the, the biblical criteria for fasting. OK. All right. Eight, seven, seven, three, eight, one, four, five, six, seven. Monty, per- Monty's ears perked up when uh, you talked about Daniel there just not eating good food. So Monty's thinking maybe, you know, I could eat at McDonald's, but I couldn't go to any kind of better restaurant if I was fasting. I think Monty was excited about that. Well, when he said about eating meat, that ruined it for me. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look forward to your comments in the chat room tonight. Uh, uh, join in there. Um, so basic, you know, that's that's fundamental, but we do need to establish that. And then why, why should one fast? Well, can I tell you, can we talk real quick about why not to fast? Let's talk about why not. We'll take a break, come back to why. Okay. Um, three three why nots. The first one is, from a biblical perspective, uh, Christians are not, we don't, we don't fast for health reasons. Uh, you'll find some of that material out there if you begin to research it. Look, you should fast for health reasons. That that's all well and good. Sort of like God was trying to give us a secret to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, like eating the kosher diet is going to make you live longer and all yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I'm all about bacon though. <laughs> but uh, from a biblical perspective, it's not about your health. Okay. Um, it's it's not about curbing the desires of the flesh. As I've been kind of studying through this, that's something I see I see popping up time and time again. Some people, based on 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul talks about buffeting my body, mm-hmm. uh, they, they interpret that as Paul is fasting to curb the desires of the flesh. Mm-hmm. And so if he has a desire for gluttony, uh, he will control that desire by fasting. I don't see that there. I, I, I have a hard time kind of wrapping my mind around how do I curb the desires of the flesh by taking away the very thing I need to live. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, there's reading a lot. That's reading a lot into the text there. I mean, he's saying he's saying he's he's controlling his body or he's right. tr- he's bringing it under right. control. He's there's not no reference to fasting there, and and you know so. Yeah, that, I think that's reading into it what people want it to, to mean. Yeah. Um, and, but then the third the third knot is, and again, you're going to find this a lot if you begin doing reading and researching. Uh, fasting for a spiritual breakthrough. Uh, so uh, you need a message from God. You want to know uh, what to do, and so you fast. And God will give you a message. Some type of revelation. Some type of revelation. That's generally built off of Daniel chapter 10. Again, Daniel's fasting at the beginning of the chapter. I think it's about verse 8 uh, where the angel appears and says, look, because you've humbled yourself, mm-hmm. uh, God is now going to give you understanding. Mm-hmm. And he goes to give him some understanding about the prophecy. Uh, also, Acts chapter 13, uh, they read the prophets and Paul there fasting, and then the Holy Spirit speaks to them about carving out Paul and Barnabas for this missionary journey. Mm-hmm. And that's where they build those off of. I, I, again, I don't see that, but... But let me just give them. Let me give that to them. Those guys are prophets, right? I, I, I'm not a prophet, right? 
And uh, fasting all day long, if I did a miraculous 40-day fast, isn't going to make me a prophet. Right. It's not going to give me some kind of spiritual breakthrough. God's got it all right That's for right. you right here. You got it. You're That's holding right. it. So, so those are yeah. the why nots, and then we'll get into the whys on the other side. All right. Maybe you can comment in the chat room during the break. You see some reasons why we shouldn't fast. Now, you mentioned for health reasons. There are some who, uh, who fast for health reasons. Uh, they're not. It's not a spiritual activity. Right. It's uh, you know these uh, these diets where you don't eat at all and. Uh, um, there, there may be some health benefits to it, but that's not the motivation for us spiritually. And uh, maybe you see, see some reasons why we should not fast. And when we get back, we'll talk about why we should fast. Uh, Chris in the U.K. Uh, says fasting is a voluntary cessation of an activity, usually of eating, for a set period of time. Uh, Ramona says fasting refers to any abstinence for whatever reason. But in the Bible, fasting almost always referred to abstaining for, for a physical desire to focus on a spiritual one. Second Samuel twelve sixteen, David fast while he pleaded with the Lord to save his child. First uh, Kings twenty one twenty seven, Ahab fasted. Acts nine nine to eleven, Saul and David again in Psalm thirty five verse thirteen. We'll take your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. The concept of no rules seems initially appealing to many people. Just think, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. That would be wonderful. But wait a minute. If I can do whatever, whenever, wherever, then so can everybody else. And that means their actions may impact upon me. They might decide to take my car burn my house, or steal my children. If there are no rules, then they can do anything, and there's no basis to stop them. Rules, we come to realize, are extremely necessary. My rights, my property, in fact, my very existence depend upon rules. Without them, civilization would come to an end. Religion is no different. Rules are clearly necessary. If allowed to do whatever we want, there's no end to the chaos that results. The confused and divided religious world of our day is a testimony against the misguided notion that man should do as he pleases when it comes to serving God. How can we know what is right? How can we be assured that God is pleased? On what basis can we judge that certain religious deeds are proper and others are wrong? Surely these matters cannot be left to the subjective feelings of men. The I'm okay, you're okay approach is a proven failure. There must be something objective and certain that will direct us as we seek God. The objective standard we seek is the inspired word of God. It is a light to our path and a lamp to our feet, Psalms 119.105. God's word is the truth, John 17.17, 17, and it can make us free, John 8, verse 32. With the divinely inspired rule book in hand, we must respect it and comply with its regulations. This would include speaking where the Bible speaks and being silent where the Bible is silent, 1 Peter 4, verse 11, and demanding book, chapter, and verse for everything we do, Colossians 3.17. Anything less will lead to the anarchy of no rules. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and guide your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The Virtual Bible Study continues. And we're back on the program tonight. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find archives of this program for the last almost 10 years. And you can find archives of sermons that have been presented to the College of Church of Christ recently. You can find out how you can podcast those sermons as well, and we will be podcasting all the sermons from our recent gospel meeting. So you want to check out that podcast at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we encourage you to contact us at any time if you have questions about something you've heard on the Virtual Bible Study or you have a suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study for a topic or question we could discuss on the Virtual Bible Study. Questions at collegeview.com. Clay Gentry has been kind enough to come and help us with the discussion tonight, and we're having a good discussion on fasting during the break, I got a comment here from Mike in the chat room. Don't you think that prayer is connected many times with fasting? Isn't it just an opportunity or help uh, for us to concentrate on prayer? Well, uh, fasting often is connected in Scripture with prayer. Prayer and fasting. Fasting. First Corinthians prayer. seven, you referenced. Yeah, we, we've referenced that one, but not always. Mm-hmm. And um, Esther four is is a, the you know one of the primary examples of that. Uh, again, prayer is not mentioned in the entire book, 
Uh, but fasting is mentioned. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's one of, uh, it's a three day fast. Mm-hmm. And it was a three day total fast, no food, no water. Uh, it's, it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it can help us. Uh, in, in focusing our, our, our minds on God and, and focusing on Him in prayer, no doubt about that. Uh, but uh, by virtue of the fact that they are not always mentioned together, because prayer is mentioned without fasting. Mm-hmm. Fasting at times is mentioned without prayer, uh, and then sometimes they're com- mentioned together. Uh, so they don't necessarily have to go together. Okay. Uh, the, the thing that I try to teach people – when we, we talk about fasting, what little that I've had the opportunity to do it. The reason that, that, that I see in the scriptures, the reason why we fast, and, and if I could say the number one reason we fast, is to humble ourselves before God. Show me some references on that. Okay. Um, let's go to the Psalm 30, uh, 35, 13. Okay. Uh, I've got Leviticus sixteen twenty nine in my notes. We'll kind of pass over because that's the Day of Atonement mm-hmm. uh, commandments again. Where it's there, it's called afflicting and humbling your soul. Okay. Uh, well, you get the same sense of that in Psalm thirty five thirteen. Uh, here, David is speaking, and he says, "But I, when they, the they here are his enemies. When my enemies were sick, I wore sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, or I afflicted myself with fasting." I prayed with my head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother. As one who laments his mother, I bowed down in mourning. Mm. Um, you want to talk about blessing your enemies yeah. and praying for those who persecute you. Yeah. Uh, here's somebody's fasting. Unbelievable. Humbling himself before God uh, for, for his enemies. Uh, if you want to stay in Psalms, go over to 69. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Psalm 69, I feel like I'm preaching. Psalm 69, verse 10. (laughs) When I wept and humbled, or uh, I think the New King James will say chastened, Mm -hmm. chastened my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. Here here again, uh, when God gives the original command for that one day of fasting, it's, it's afflicting your soul, it's humbling your soul. When David speaks of it in the Psalms, when he was fasting, he is humbling himself, he's afflicting himself. And then in Daniel chapter 10, we'll we'll do this one last one here. Uh, In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel, the chapter starts out with Daniel fasting. And and chapter 10, I gotta admit, is is rather difficult. Uh, But but what is said about fasting here is actually pretty plain. Uh, In verse 3, he's fasting from delicacies and meat Mm -hmm. and wine, Mm -hmm. all the good stuff. He's fasting from the good stuff. He's only consuming the the, the bland and maybe even the bitter. Mm-hmm. If if you look over at verse 12, I think I said earlier it was verse 8, but it's verse 12. Um, a man has come to him uh, in verse 10. Here's what he says. Uh, he says something in 11. And then in 12 he says, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God. Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. If you keep that in its most immediate context, that humbling goes back to the type of fasting. And and so why do we fast? We, we fast because we, we want to take this extra step to really deeply spiritually Humble ourselves before God. And, and what's what's the great commandment about or the great promise to those who humble themselves before God? Yeah, they'll be lifted up. Yeah, I'll lift you up. I will exalt you. And, uh, you know, well, you, you referenced Saul of Tarsus praying yeah. and fasting. Well, he'd been humbled severely on, oh, he on, had. on the road. Oh, he had. And so the, the, that seems to correspond with what you said. Right. Now, that, and we'll get into some of those dangers uh, a little bit later, but, uh, you know, as, if you're going to be humbling yourself before God, don't be trying to exalt yourself before men. Right. right. Uh, so, so certainly goes along with that. Let us know your thoughts in the chat room if you've got thoughts along those lines. Why should we fast? Uh, anything, Monty, on the on your side tonight? Um, like we've been talking about, it can help us give us a, a focus our minds towards spiritual goals. Uh, that process of denial and taking our mind off the food and putting it on where it should be in spiritual matters. So there's definitely a spiritual benefit for us in doing that. So that's something we need to be considering. And uh, Chris in the U.K. says, why should we fast? So that the time spent on that activity can be used on other things. Hmm. Here's a spiritual one being 
that you can focus on God and pray and study more. So he says you've got more time if you're fasting. Hadn't thought of it that way, but you would. Yeah, you know, going back to uh, to Mike in Ohio's comment, uh, linking prayer and fasting together, I'll have to admit this, and this is something I've wondered about. I've read the passages about it, and I can't quite come up with an answer. But but when you see prayer and fasting together, are they fasting because they're praying so long? Hmm. Or is the prayer and the fasting going hand in hand? Uh, and so, uh, or is is there a time of prayer, and then we we kind of end our time of prayer and we kind of go about our day, but throughout the day we're reflecting on this prayer and fasting in in conjunction with the prayer. I can't find an answer in, in scripture that that lays that out, but I've often wondered about that. Okay. Are they when you read those together? Is the praying so long that fasting is a natural outgrowth of that? And I think prayer is going to be one of those things that naturally goes with fasting. Yes. Uh, I think they're going to we're going to find them coupled together again. As you said, maybe not necessarily always connected, but we're, I think we will find them uh, together. All right. It would seem like all of those three things that you just mentioned they would be times that Jesus prayed all night. For yes. example, so so if he was busy about praying then there's not going to be a lot of time that he would have spent having his midnight snack. Right. Uh, there's going to be times for us that we may be so intense in prayer about something that we're going to forego food just because we're busy praying. Right. Uh, there may be other times that we're doing it in conjunction with our prayers or that we prayed hard about something, and now today I'm, I'm focused in meditating on what I'm this whatever the subject is, so I'm fasting in, in that way with it. So mm-hmm. they could be one because of the other, two hand-in-hand, hand, or one in preceding the other or following the other so i could see how that would be it'd be hard to separate them necessarily they would all go together that way Uh, again going back to the idea it's natural it's commonplace or at least should be commonplace and and it's not necessarily something that um that we've you know we've got to set our mind to say okay i got this is what i'm going to be doing and though, though i think that's good and we'll talk about that a little bit later about being purposeful uh but um but it, it, it's I like Mike's question or his comment because um, how long how long do we spend in prayer that that fasting is just a natural outgrowth of that we see it throughout the scriptures and uh, th- this is something we we need to open our eyes up to. All right, Mike goes on with another comment. He says Acts <clears throat> says when the church in Antioch had prayed and fasted, they sent Paul and Barnabas out. It seems connected there. Certainly it is, Mike. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we see it. We do see it connected many places. And so I think it is a natural connection uh, for the two to go together. All right. Uh, you ask, when should we fast? Well, um, I, I wrote down several things. And uh, just I hope that these will be food for thought for people. Okay. Uh, I think one, the, the first one I wrote down is uh, during times of repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously in Acts chapter 9, when Paul has his Damascus Road experience, uh, he's fast for three days following that. Mm-hmm. Very natural for, for us to see that. Mm-hmm. But there's some actually pretty shocking Old Testament examples of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in First First Kings uh, chapter 21 and verses 20 through 29, Ahab is rebuked by the prophet of God. And uh, what's the very first thing Ahab does? Well, he puts on sackcloth and I think even some ashes. He might have even have tore his clothes, then put on some sackcloth. Mm-hmm. But he fasted. Mm-hmm. And he humbled himself before God mm-hmm. as an act of repentance. And, and God withheld the judgment that he had prepared for him because of that. Yeah. Uh, perhaps the most dramatic uh, fasting and uh, as connected with repentance would be uh, the city of Nineveh at the preaching of Judah. There is a Jonah. Jonah. Who did I say? Judah. <laughs> That's all right. He was from yeah. Judah. <laughs> Jonah. Um, the entire city fasted. Yeah. And again, that was a total fast. No food, no water. And the animals fasted. Mm. And uh, God received that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that humbling. Mm-hmm. And uh, he withheld the judgment against them. All right. Uh, so we see that. And, you know, you, you have to wonder if some of that fasting wasn't... Uh, Maybe some involuntary. I mean, you, that, that we've taken we've taken this this sorrow so so much that we couldn't eat. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. Uh, in connection with that morning, yeah, uh, we see uh, um, 
some of the Israelites, I forget exactly which ones, they fasted for a number of days following the death of Saul. Mm-hmm. Um, when Paul or, or when uh, David is fasting for his uh, son who is sick, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of unique there because he fasts while he is sick before he dies. But when he dies, he he breaks yeah, he his died. fast yeah, yeah. and then goes and eats. Yeah. And uh, and so you you see that there. Uh, Acts chapter fourteen or uh, thirteen. And in connection with that 14, when Paul and Barnabas are commissioned, if mm-hmm. you will, and sent out, mm-hmm. when the elders are appointed in the churches that were established uh, or at least strengthened during that first missionary journey, uh, again, you see prayer and fasting going hand in hand uh, when uh, people were commissioned for work. In fact, Monty even brought that up uh, in, in a certain sense when a group left this congregation to go to a neighboring town mm-hmm. to start a congregation there. It's kind of a a prayer and fasting is going together. We're humbling ourselves before God. We're beseeching our God. We want our God to hear our prayers and to bless this effort. And so we couple that uh, with fasting. We uh, might even think of fasting in that regard as sort of like making a sacrifice. I'm yeah. sacrificing the eating that I would have done today because in the Old Testament, drink offerings were t- typically poured out on the ground. Yes. So we're sacrificing what we might might have eaten or drank today in order to focus our attention on what the we're trying to achieve here. Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, as you talk, uh, Clay, it, 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 this may have gone back to the first point we could talk about, but it, I, I see that it is our our faith and our religious activity impacting our life. It's not something that's just a Sunday activity. It's 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 it's, it's impacting our life. It's it's part of us. Yeah, every, every day right. it is a part of who we are and what we do. And this fasting portrays that yes. in that it's affecting us. Yes. It's not just something that we say. It's something that is, is impacting us. All right, we're going to take a break. When we get back, uh, we've got a long way to go, and uh, and we've got to go fast on the subject of fasting. How do we fast? What are some spiritual dangers? And then some who might have some tips on how we should fast. Uh, we'll get a break. Go to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any definite plans for your spiritual life and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for Him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? Twenty years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? I'm Kate, and I'm three years old, and this is the Virtual Bible. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. We're back on the program tonight and going to the top of the hour as we talk about fasting with Clay Gentry. Uh, Clay, we were finishing up uh, some of the reasons when we should fast. Uh, An important uh, point to talk about uh, being a part of worship. Yeah, um, one of the things that you see, particularly in the New Testament, uh, you see two instances of this. In Luke chapter 2, uh, Joseph and Mary have taken uh, the baby Jesus to the temple. Uh, there, Simeon comes out to meet him. But there's a second woman, a prophetess, and uh, she's advanced in years. She's living at the temple. She did not depart the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Mm. And, um, I, I, you know, you ever thought about that? God, I'm just going to sing praise to your name all night long. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna off, humble myself with fasting while I do that. Ninety day, huh? Yeah, ninety day. And then Acts chapter thirteen. Uh, and again, this is going to be kind of a, a little bit of a translation difference. Uh, but uh, I think the New King James says there that uh, all these uh, prophets, along with uh, Saul or Paul, uh, they were ministering to the Lord and fasting. Uh, a couple of the translations will say while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Uh, again, is their worship so long that they fasted, 
or it, are the two kind of going hand in hand? They're, they're worshiping, and their worship is carried through in this humble act of fasting. But here are the two kind of going hand in hand. Uh, you know, worship, as you mentioned a little earlier, that this is not something that just kind of happens when we're when you're fasting. It's part of everyday activity. Worship should be a part of the everyday activity uh, of our lives as we honor and reverence and glorify our God. Okay. And uh, this is done with, with a humbled spirit, oftentimes humbled with fasting. All right. Uh, Mike in Ohio says, when the Ninevites fasted, it seems they were trying to show God that, that they really had repented and changed. Yeah. And part of that humbling process, I think. Yes, again. part of that humbling process. All right. Then good comments, Mike. Thank you for those tonight. Mike is keeping the chat room going. Uh, Mike's sort of talking to himself tonight. Uh, I don't know about that, Mike. And um, uh, let's see. Uh, how do you fast? Okay, I, I'm going to do this one quick because we, we need to get to question four. But um, I'll give you the three P's of fasting. And I, like I told you, I came up with this this afternoon, so I think it'll make a good sermon. Okay, one day. all right. Yep. All right, you need to have a purpose. Uh-huh. You need to say, you need to, to decide, why am I fasting? Mm-hmm. Uh, am I fasting uh, because I'm repenting? Am I fasting because I am fasting for somebody or I'm petitioning God? L- let's have a purpose in mind. You need to select your practice. Is this going to be a total fast? Is this going to be just a fast from food, but I'm going to allow myself to drink? Or am I going to fast from really good food, and you know what? I'm just going to eat uh, unsweetened oatmeal and water. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, some folks with health issues, I'm not a doctor, and you need to seek a professional. <laughs> but, uh, this, you got to talk fast. Yeah, 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 that might be something that, that you want to consider. <laughs> so so you got your purpose, you got your practice, and you need to determine the period. Okay. Uh, the miraculous fast of 40 days are not for us. Yes. Uh, not advisable, mind. Not no. advisable. Uh, no. Maybe a day, okay. uh, maybe two, maybe three, maybe just 12 hours. Uh, but but you need to decide your period okay. that, that you're going to fast. Okay. And then uh, and then when you break that fast, uh, it's a time of, of joy and it's a time of celebration. And uh, and and you need to to have that in your mind. Otherwise. This isn't a spiritual activity. It's just I skipped a meal. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Chris in the U.K. says it can be done by abstaining from food on how do you fast. I would say consult a doctor's advice and do so gradually, say starting one day or even a 12-hour one, and going longer as you can and feel need called to do so. Be wise and be safe. Yeah, that, that's good advice, uh, um, what Mike says All right, there. now, spiritual dangers. There are dangers. It is <coughs> ironic that there would be dangers associated with an activity like this that's spiritual, but some of those dangers are clearly enumerated in the Scriptures. Yeah, let, the first first one that I think everybody thinks about is Matthew chapter 6, mm-hmm. uh, because Jesus spends three verses there in the Sermon on the Mount talking about fasting. And, and there he talks about, look, you don't fast for show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think people get the the impression there that any kind of fasting we do is supposed to be secret. Mm-hmm. And uh, while while I think that yes, that's true, that's not always true. Yeah, uh, because in Acts chapter thirteen and fourteen, all those people knew each other were fasting. It was a corporate activity. It was a corporate activity. And uh, you know that Jesus is you know says don't do your alms to be seen of men as well. Right. So, but it's not wrong for someone to see us put some money in the collection plate on Sunday. So. Right. Hey, you know you think about Barnabas. He got his name Barnabas uh, in connection with his willingness to sell his lands and give the money to the poor. Okay. Uh, so so there's a good example yeah. of that. Yeah. But yeah. we don't do it for show. Yeah. That's the ones that people always remember. Or think about, but there's two from the Old Testament that that I would want to reference, and the first one is that our fasting doesn't need to be merely ritual. It's not just something that we do because it is something that, as Christians, we're told uh, by the community at large that we're supposed to do. The prime example of that comes from Zechariah. Uh, one of the minor prophets there near the end of the Old Testament, he is prophesying at the end of the 70-year captivity. Mm-hmm. Throughout the captivity, the Jews had come up with these four fasts. And uh, as a community, there was communal pressure for Jews to fast on, on these four days. And, and they kind of commemorated the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, and the going into the captivities and the deportations and, and all of that. And when you get to, um, let's see, um, uh, verse 3, um, somebody has come to the priest and said, should I, should I continue to weep and abstain or fast 
in the fifth month as I have done for so many years. And uh, the Lord sends word to them. Uh, he says, look, when you were fasting, you didn't fast for me. You're fasting for yourself. Yeah. You're doing this because it's what, if I can put this in quotations, good Jews in captivity do. Yeah. It's not something that you were actually doing to humble yourselves because you're convicted me. that you need to do it. For that's me. right. It's it, because it, they told you you need to do. That's it. right. They told you that you need to do it, and mm-hmm. it for them had become a ritual. Mm-hmm. And, and we won't spend the whole time, but it's a great chapter. You want to read chapter uh, seven. You want to go all the way into chapter eighteen. And when you get to verse eighteen, God says, "All right, that's fine. Keep your four days, mm-hmm. but don't fast." Mm. Turn him into a feast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he turns it on its head mm-hmm. because it had become something that is ritual. If we can give a, a broad uh, cultural example of that, Lent is that kind of example. Yeah. It, it has become uh, for for a lot of people uh, something that that for we them is a ritual. Yeah, I, I look, you're a Catholic. All good Catholics practice Somebody Lent. Somebody told me to do it. That's so right. I'm going to do right. it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the third thing is uh, fasting can become a substitute for other righteous deeds. And uh, one of the things that that we need to look at in regard to that would be Isaiah chapter 58. Mm-hmm. Uh, here the, the people are fasting. Um, if you look at verse 3, Isaiah 58, 3, uh, they're speaking to God. Why have we fasted and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves? There's, there's our idea of why we fast, because we want to humble ourselves. And you take no knowledge of it. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure, God says, and oppress all the workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and fight and to hit with the wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. They're fasting so they can just kind of keep out going out sinning. And what God says, look, here's the fast I've chosen for you. Here's the righteous acts I've chosen to loose the bonds of the wicked, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free. And he continues that all the way down through chapter 12. Yeah, so it's, it's not one of those things where it offsets what else the other things I'm doing because I'm fasting. That's right. All That's right. right. Okay. All right. And, uh, well, you mentioned, in, you got written in your notes here oh, yeah. about uh, binding where God hadn't bound. Certainly, as we've noticed, that there's no command for uh, for fasting. So I can't look at you, uh, Clay, and say, well, you're not fasting often enough. Right, right. You're not. You're, you're, that's and, obviously something wrong with you. And that that's where uh, that's that's where it has gone wrong. Fasting mm-hmm. in in a broader Christendom sense yeah. uh, has gone wrong because it has been imposed upon people instead of just folks saying, "Look, I need to humble myself before God. This is how I will do it." All right, we've got to go quickly. Chris in the UK though says you can do it for the wrong reasons. So your motivation, he said, could be wrong to make you seem more spiritual to others as a thing to be proud of. You know. We don't, definitely don't want to take pride in the fact of well, I, I can fast for three days, yeah. <laughs> uh, or or the fast is the fo- is the focus, not the Lord or the Word of Prayer, which it was originally for. So you're just mainly focusing on the fast, not on God. Thank you, Chris, for those. Finally, uh, Clay, we are out of time, but you mentioned uh, you asked for some tips on uh, on how to incorporate fasting in your daily life. Chris has some some interesting comments. Yeah, um, and we, you know, we can summarize that. Uh, you know, do what you can do and incorporate what Mike in Ohio said, and take it one step at a time. This isn't something that, uh, for the by and large, most Christians are accustomed to doing. And look, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it it's kind of hard to fast all day when uh, you know we're constantly consuming sugar and caffeine and, and all that stuff. It's something that you need to work your way into. And particularly if you might have some health issues, this is something that that you can augment and modify so that you too can participate uh, with God in this humbling of, of your soul. Chris has a very obvious one here. He says, uh, can I add the possibly obvious, look ahead at your calendar. It yeah. may not be wise to fast during your friend's upcoming wedding or around Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, if that series of dinner yeah. parties is coming up, rethink it. Yeah, Thanksgiving Day would be the worst day to fast. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. look, you're going to be looking a little holier than that yeah. in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah, and, it's sort of uh, going to be hard That's not, not to. something good to do. All right. Well, the, the time has gone fast uh, right on the subject of fasting. It's, it is a good thing for us to consider. And uh, lots of uh, – we have – 
or barely scratched the surface. Tonight. Oh, we did. We did. But you're, thank you very much. You're planning on putting some material together. You think you've got six weeks of material. Uh, I think I can uh, pull six weeks out of this, make six Bible classes out of it. and uh, But it's going to be a little while before I get it all. i got to get through the Gospel of Luke. And uh, at my pace, it might be a year before I get through well, that. But hopefully, Lord willing, uh, we'll have some of this together. Uh, certainly, we could have talked about it for more than an hour. But I do appreciate the hour with you and uh, for the good discussion. Thanks, I, Thank you for coming and helping. Appreciate and, uh, it. My Monty, pleasure. Make, Monty, thank you for being here as well. Thank you, Jacob. And thank you for listening. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word tonight. We'll look forward to your comments if you got any questions at collegeview.com and we'll look forward to you being back here this time next week for another edition of the virtual bible study in the meantime we encourage you to put god first in your life study his inspired word the bible and live by it every day you'll never regret it thanks for listening to the virtual bible study brought to you by the college view church of christ the college view church of christ meets at 1618 hampshire pike in columbia tennessee if you are in the columbia tennessee area we encourage you to worship with the college view church of christ on sunday mornings at 9 30 and on sunday evenings at six o'clock the college view church of christ also welcomes you to attend their wednesday night bible studies at seven o'clock if you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the college College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.